Welcome listeners to the fifth episode of Playing Advantage, the podcast where four mates chat about everything SA Rugby without taking ourselves too seriously. With me as always, uh, three good mates watched a good good quarterfinal round of, uh, of rugby, uh, but we'll get to all of that uh, and our predictions later on. But uh, guys, introducing yourselves as always, Damien. Hi guys. Keeks. How's it everyone? Have how's it works? And myself, Marco. I just have to make sure I introduce myself right this time because apparently last time I didn't, and the people didn't know who I was. It's quite sad. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyways, guys, lovely uh, round of uh, of rugby uh, for the people who liked um, absolute blowouts, and then uh, on Saturday, and then very close games uh, on Sunday for the most part. But we'll get we'll, we'll get there uh, with our first impressions uh, on the as the first item on the agenda. Uh, looking at the results, uh, all four games. Uh, speaking about uh, the box versus uh, Japan, our player of the week of the game, our plonk of the week. Also, then uh, our reference, and I think we have plenty of uh, ammunition for the, for this week. I know we've kind of tried to lay off of that topic for a while, uh, and then finally we're gonna um, close off with our predictions. Um, but let's get straight into it. Uh, first impressions. First impressions. Keeks, I'm going to let you have the floor here first. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Uh, so, just my first impression for the week. I think uh, the box definitely showed glimpses of brilliance. Um, I want to want to be as positive as possible, especially at, at, in these last stages. I think. Um, my positive is he's not gonna it's not gonna do anything for the box at all. But I mean, you know. Um, <laughs> it feels like we have to say this yeah. every single week when it starts positive. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. We just get goes to a ball of shit by the end of the <laughs> 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 We end up with reference and we're all complaining. Um, so yeah, going back to what I was saying, I think there were patches of brilliance that, that we showed and I think we're just not cohesive and that's that's basically we just need to tie everything together and I think we will be world class. I think it just needs to come together now. I mean, we need something something and I'm excited. I think it's it's quite cool. I'm very, very excited for the for the semis. So that's my first impression. Good stuff. Shall I go next? First impression. Um, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, I think my first impression for the the quarterfinals uh, this weekend was uh, defense, defense, defense. It seems that the best defense is a good defense. <laughs> let me write that down. Hold on, let me write that down. It's also a good defense. <laughs> there was a lot of defending. I think I think in all the games you could see uh, Japan came in with their attacking flair, eventually shut down by South Africa, which we were all very relieved by. Um, same thing, England, Australia. Australia wanted to run the ball, and they they did, and they were shown eventually it's better to get your uh, defensive lines working, your defensive systems working. Um, and I think one of the most worrying things for me is that Ireland went and did the same thing that we want to go and do against the All Blacks. They kicked straight at them, and they tried to to get their defensive systems working for them, um, and they were completely ruined uh, by New Zealand. Uh, from the opening whistle to the closing whistle, uh, and I think that's very worrying. I'd like to talk to, talk about that a little bit later, maybe after results. But uh, what I wanted to say, essentially, my first impression is that everyone ran in with fantastic defensive systems, and the the teams that executed them the best won. 
except New Zealand, because New Zealand had a fantastic defensive system, but they also had a fantastic offensive system, particularly counter-attacking. And uh, I'm worried that in terms of our road, our defensive systems are not going to be enough to counter that uh, completely fully formed uh, Titan that is New Zealand at the moment. Anyway, sorry, that was a bit long. Carry okay, on. I like it, I like it. Uh, okay. Okay. For it my, my first impression actually is just, just one player. It's, uh, I'm sure we'll get to him much later on in the podcast. Um, been very, very personally critical of this player in the past, but uh, Damien Dander, I think... Someone, oh, I read somewhere during the week, someone was saying, oh, no, he's going to be a key piece of the Springbok puzzle going forward. And I was going, you know, obviously this guy doesn't watch a lot of rugby. And, <laughs> you know, I think I was wrong because he really did. It, it just shows that when he does step up, he can pass, which is fantastic. It's good to know that that's a skill he possesses now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was so dominant. Um, and I think that set the back line away when we weren't kicking the ball to actually really step up and, and we did look really good with ball in hand. I think that starts, as much as it starts at 10, it's got to go through 12. And I think that did happen quite a lot on the weekend. And I think that attacking impetus we have with ball in hand looks fantastic. I'm Like Keegan was saying, I'm so excited by it because we have the potential, we have the players to go and score these fantastic tries and to play some such expansive rugby um, based on you know, or with that base of the really strong forward pack that we do look really dangerous, but it's all through that 12 channel almost. Okay. So yeah, exciting times. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. So my first impression is going to start out sounding negative, but it's actually positive. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> for me, the two big worries, and I think uh, it's going to be a crack of the semi-final, is New Zealand versus England. For me, they have shown that they've put together 18 minutes of world-class rugby. They've beat two top teams and they were dominant. They imposed themselves in whatever they in whatever way they wanted to. And it concerns me that we haven't done that yet. We have not put together 18 minutes or even for that matter, 60 minutes against any opposition, not just uh, top tier uh, opposition, but anybody in general. But coming to my positive side of that, first impression I was that I saw a whole excuse my friend, shitload of hearts in the Bok defense uh, this weekend. Um, the scramble defense was unbelievable. Uh, after Beast was sent off, everybody you could see stood up and took responsibility. They put their hand up, okay, I need to give an extra 10-15%. Um, the defensive lines, even Colby got round for the first time, I think, ever in his career. And guys were tracking back, and Damon Allender made that tackle there uh, close to the five. It just almost felt like as soon as they got close to our line, we kept driving them back and driving them back. Um, so I think just from a team perspective, I got the impression, not that I didn't have it before, but this game was the ultimate game where they showed they're playing for each other and they are very, very cohesive as a unit. There's certain players holding us back, I think, but <laughs> I would not want to play, I, I would not want to run at these guys because it feels like they are just, they're ready for anything, anything coming at them. Um, so yeah, also excited, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna get to get to all of that and dissect the uh, the Bok versus uh, Japan game a little bit more. But um, Damien, I think your your job is a little bit easier this week. Yeah, uh, only four games. Can you run us through the results? Uh, so England Australia forty points to sixteen uh, to England, obviously. Flattering. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that was a deserved result. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. 
Um, New Zealand, 46. Ireland, 14. Oof. Yeah, the, that was also... Kevin keeps on Kevin holding King, back yeah. the tears here. Heads, heads bowed. Um, but Ireland were nowhere. Yeah, that 100%. Was, um, Wales, France, 2019. Welsh, probably the luckiest side in the World Cup at the moment. And then Japan, 26. Oh, sorry, South Africa, 26. Japan, 3. Uh, obviously, our result. But Biggest shock of the weekend. What are we saying? I think that that Wales should not be not still be in the World Cup, in my opinion. Okay. I, and I think that should have been a shock result. It should have been the French. I, and to be honest, I probably. So your biggest uh, shock is that there wasn't a shock. Yeah, pretty. pretty <laughs> your biggest shock is that you weren't shocked. Exactly. Um, to your credit, I, you called it as the closest game mm. of the quarterfinal. I did not believe that. I think I still probably would have preferred to play the French. Because then we don't get sure. a French ref. Yeah, go. well, we I mean, that's the first thing. Now we can't get Nigel Owens. So no. I mean, now we're definitely getting Gosha's. I, I disagree with you, kind of. Um, just the Welsh France game. I thought that France looked very erratic and dangerous on the counter attack. And as I was saying earlier, I think that's one of our weaknesses. Because if you're going to break through South Africa, you break through South Africa on loose ball, on scramble defense. Because our, as I said, our systems are in place so nicely. I would have said. France has a better chance of beating South Africa if you look at this French team, this Wales team. Um, team. My only thing is, I think the, the French style is actually quite similar to the Japanese style. Um, and I think we dealt with that really, really well. Whereas I think the Welsh battle is, not, is, is going to be much more upfront, much more physical, much more structured. And we haven't had a test like that since New Zealand in this World Cup. And I, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I just feel like it's the devil you know, you know? I suppose, yeah. We can I mean, win that battle. Whereas the, the Japanese uh, offense, we struggled with it in the first couple of minutes. I think everybody uh, was breathing in a lot of uh, quick, quick breaths. And I, I think the first couple of minutes when they were running at us with all of the gusto that they had, game would have been wildly different if they had scored two tries in those moments of the game. Sure. We, I mean, we knew they were going to come at us hard and we knew the tempo was going to be high. So I think that we, we dealt with it really well. But like you said, one or two tries in the, in the beginning, different game, especially with that yellow card. Yeah. Should we move on to that? Well, no, I was just going to quickly look at the, the other games. For me, the big uh, shock was definitely New Zealand Island. Um, well, yeah. Look, not, I mean, not the result. I, I think the shock was at the score. The score line, not yes, the result. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, 100%. Um, for me, it was a case of that, yes... Ireland had lost to Japan, 100%. Um, but they had won two out of the last three games against New Zealand. I thought that they had, had plenty of time to re regather themselves, get ready, pump themselves up. There was a lot of guys playing their last games. And the, the first five minutes, good intention uh, in, in terms of attacking-wise. But, wow, they just they had no plan B, C or D. They were just... No way. The All Blacks dominated every single phase of play. Um, well, no, they did it, right? So in the beginning. So, so let's look at it. This, this, is, this is why I'm a little concerned, right? If you look at Ireland's strategy, it's very similar to South Africa's strategy, right? Um, Conor Murray is probably their, their best player. He's definitely their best leader yeah. uh, at the moment. And so he takes a lot of control of that game. Yeah. Um, is that reminiscent of anybody in our team? <laughs> um, Control is a strong word. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's the one kicking the ball. Influence is hundred percent. And uh, yeah, hundred percent. They bomb out. Notably in the half. Uh, so so in the midfield, they they bomb as well. And they wanted to play New Zealand in their own twenty-two. And when they did do that, for very brief moments, they were looking very good. And for very brief moments, they were winning their lines. 
and they were even um, standing up in the scrums. And while that was happening, they were looking really good. For a couple of minutes there, I think everybody was looking at this, this um, quarterfinal and going, wow, they've got a real chance. But then, uh, one of the commentators actually summed it up really nicely for me. Uh, he started talking about compound errors. And so what happens is, um, Sexton misses, uh, misses touch. Was it right? four touch finders in the game? That three. three. Now, now, inst now, now instead, instead of having a, a line-out, an attacking line-out, trying to score a try, uh, everybody gets to be bastard. First of all, you're immediately defending again. And second of all, you've got a line-out way further down than when you want it to be. Or you've got the back then what happened? Then what happens? Ball starts getting spilled. Then the heads are dropping. Then there's more touches missed. And then the whole thing just falls to shit eventually. And what worries me is that do we have enough gusto in our guys to, to prevent that? Because Ireland is a very experienced team. They're actually almost an old team um, with the guys that are in the field. They shouldn't fall down like that, but they yeah. did. Yeah. They, well, rolled I mean, over. they literally just rolled over and said, here we go, just go ahead and score. And I mean, we are prone to the, those kind of errors. We, we do, you know, have, we do mistouch now and again from the penalty, or we do have fuff box kicking to himself or something like that. Like, <laughs> he literally so did that this weekend. Twice. <laughs> and I mean, those things are, like I was saying, like those little errors, especially against a team with quality of New Zealand, if you miss touch from the penalty and you have that back three basically running at you or, you know, chewing off another 50 meters of territory, then, you know, instead of being on the front foot, you... Back foot. Back, yeah, exactly. I think, I think what is easy to forget, uh, even for us who've played lots of rugby, um, it, when you're watching on TV, is you forget how, how in it you are in the middle of a rugby game and how emotionally you do get affected by what's happening on the field. And it can change the way you play, the way everybody plays, the way everybody plays for each other. It hurts. It feels like you're in the trenches when you're chasing 20 points and you're getting pushed straight back into your 22 and you're asked to do uh, defense on the line. It's, it's, it's emotionally taxing and it makes any team has the possibility of crumbling, you know? And it's such a momentum breaker at the same time. I mean, that's what a lot of these international teams need. You need, you know, the ball in hand, the phases, that go forward ball, that front foot ball. And the minute you seed possession by you know making a stupid mistake you're on the back foot and you're going backwards and everyone knows especially the size of the guys in rugby i know they're all super fit but any forward pack going backwards is going to struggle yeah so, so right this idea of compound areas look at japan in the first half right there was a lot of running and even though we didn't concede which was important for us for our guys for our emotions what was important for japan's emotions was that they were running they were having it and there was this kind of attitude like hell guys we almost did it. Like, let's keep trying. It's going to happen for us. And once we squashed that, then it was game. Yeah. I think... So I think, just to add to that, I think you've made really good points. I think it's really important Thanks, going man. forward into the, <laughs> into, the next, into the next phase. But I think, ultimately, what I'd like to just bring up is, what about the points left on the table uh, by the likes of Pollard? And we are getting to finals rugby now. You need to start bloody making <clears throat> kicks. And kicks. that for me is is paramount. Like I start like one and two points will win you the game. And that for me yeah. is it's it is a big thing. Really dropping balls. That's yeah, the, the, the poor pass. <laughs> Jamie just mom T Rex armed with me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna get to box versus Japan just now. Final thoughts, England, Australia, our thoughts, England showed. They made a couple of selection uh, changes as well. They looked like a real contender. I honestly think they have the, um, the players, they have the game plan to stand up to New Zealand. I'm not saying that it's going to be a 50-50 game. 
I think that is that's definitely going to be a competitive game. England should have won that uh, the the last game that they played in November of two thousand and eighteen. Uh, I I think it's going to be I think that's going to be a better game than the Wales uh, South African game. I don't know what you guys thought about the England Australia. England looks very consolidated. I thought I thought they they marshaled the game very very well. Yeah. And as much as I was honestly I was rooting for Australia a lot of the time, even though I didn't pick them on my on my predictions. Me too. Um, because I just was enjoying watching the the rugby. Play. I thought Kirky Beale had one of his better games. Mm. Um, and I and I really enjoyed a lot of what they put together. And England just dealt with it, dealt with it, dealt with it. And most importantly, they capitalised when they had opportunities. So. I was I was actually more shocked by that English result than I was about the New Zealand Island result. Personally, I thought that it would be a lot closer. I thought Australia did have the ability and the guts to actually make an actual go of the game and get really close, and they were just blown out of the water. Yeah, so I mean, the thing that I kind of perked up about and noticed is that England, we've always said, uh, or at least the last year or two, their pack is getting stronger and stronger. I don't see weakness in that pack now. Um, I mean, if you just look at that lock pairing, that back row... Um, so Todje has a weakness. I think, I think he's, he's, a, he's a empty jersey. Terror, he gives away penalties all the time. He doesn't graft. He's a, he's a great runner of the ball. He's good on attack. But well, I think, I think is, is, is really impressing me now. Laws, I think, is making up for Toji a lot at the moment. I've always thought that Toji is solid uh, defensively. So I guess we'll have to see what, what comes out. Because they're going to go against the best lock pairing next week. Uh, Retellic versus uh, Whitelock. I also think something you can't discount about that English side is Eddie Jones. I think yeah. as a rugby brain, they don't come much smarter than him. Um, yeah. If you look at his record and just what he's done with that English side, and you know that progression that they've made is purely down to him. Mm-hmm. So I think that that weapon in their arsenal is his rugby brain is the, you know, regardless of who they have on the field, their strongest kind of weapon and and biggest impact they'll make will come from him. And I think he's not that he's had to convince the English team, but I think he has instilled this mentality in the team that they can beat anybody on the day, and there's no doubts about it. And you can see it. I think maybe sorry, I didn't mean to detract from your point, but I think I think what what I'm probably saying is that that is a team filled with people in the positions. They're not the best in those positions when you compare them to the rest yeah. of the competition. Nobody is in the world, yeah. and yet they are looking like the most consolidated team at the moment. But, but that's exactly it. Eddie it's Jones, it's yeah. that, that, well, Eddie Jones and that team mentality that I don't think a lot of, or that team chemistry almost, that I don't think a lot of teams actually have, is that, you know, they play as a 15-man unit instead of, you know, a, a, a pack and a back line or, you know, yeah. a couple of superstars and then the guys that are just, you know, tackling and, and making the, the hard yards. So yeah. I think there is a, a real sense of like camaraderie and teamwork within that unit. Yeah, playing for each other, 100%. Mm-hmm. Right, but uh, I know everybody's itching and we've kind of alluded to it the whole time, but let's get into uh, Box versus Japan. Nervous first half. I know uh, Keeks and I were worrying about some glassware uh, at a friend's place. <laughs> if we were going to keep everything intact, especially after that first half, I have to admit, I had to walk out of the room a few times <laughs> during that first half. Um, but we pulled it through. Second half, much better. Um, and Kev, I think just to expand on your points, I think we definitely we shut them down. Uh, you know, after the first half, they thought they were in it, and they thrown the kitchen sink at us, and we just dealt with it. Yeah, I got to say, you know, we've been complaining about Rassi's gameplay the entire time, and I have the same sort of attitude as Keeks. We've come this far, and it is like we're in it now. We're not going to get a new gameplay. 
So it's fine, and I'm I'm getting behind it. He's yeah. not reading my emails. That's the problem. I've been emailing him. I've been WhatsApping Rassi. He's just not responding. So no, I've tried. But I mean, you could tell our six two splits, everything like that. It's not going to change. That's fine. One, seven, uh, seven, seven two splits. Eh? Seven, seven, yeah. seven, seven, seven one. Sorry, seven one. So, so I think I think what it was really cool to see is uh, for it to work. So I think everyone was sweating, even Rassi, in first half. But after the final whistle, you got to say that was the game plan. Oaks did it. What yeah. didn't concede in the first half? Very important. Yeah. What I saw is I haven't seen that many big hits in a Springbok game in my memory. I can't I can't remember the last time we put that many enormous tackles in in one game of rugby. Yeah, there was yeah big big hits. And I think that just shows how up for it the boys are. I mean, yeah. every single player was putting in monster hits. And granted, the Japanese aren't necessarily the biggest guys in the world, but. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we were that dominant. They have some Polynesians in that side, yeah. so it's not small yeah. guys. I think that's probably yeah. where Beast, a Beast's um, yellow card came from. Like, I think he was just over anxious, like he was just over hyped and pumped, and he just wanted to drive that guy six feet under. Yeah, I think. Um, Let's talk about that. Right yeah, now. let's get into. I was this. about to say, do you want to go okay, there now already? I'm going to go off the bat and say that was a red card. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we're talking from a consistency perspective, we need to. World rugby needs to kind of be consistent about this. If you if your hips go past horizontal, that's a red card. It's a spear tackle. The only thing that saved uh, Beast was the Japanese player putting out his his arm. Otherwise, so, he would have landed straight on his shoulder. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. mit- the mitigating factor was that he landed on his shoulder. Which apparently. is ridiculous. Which is a bit silly. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a cop out, and it's exactly what we were talking. We had a long conversation about it last time, where we were saying that uh, refs can't ref the the effect; they need to ref the problem. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I w- I'm glad it was a yellow card, and I would have been glad yes. it was a yellow card if it was a Japanese player. But having said that, you're right, it's inconsistent, should have been read based on the letter of the law. Mm. Yeah. No, it, is, it is really appalling, actually. It's just, it's just one of those. But we, I don't want to get into the We'll go reference, yeah. We'll yeah. talk about that later. Um, I think one thing that I wanted to bring up, I think we're going to be the first sports team, if hypothetically we win this World Cup, we're going to be the first sports team in the history of all sports teams to win a World Cup without the ball. <laughs> I think that is it's something. It really is something. I don't know how I that happens. I thought you were going to come in with like a proper, a proper Yeah, I was waiting for this. I was waiting for <laughs> really paper. I had to build it up, guys. I had to build it up. Yeah, so I think... Um, yeah, well, touching on that point. Yeah, I think it was after 28 minutes, we had 19% possession against Japan. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Like, that blew my brain. And that's not because they kept it away from us. Not at all. No. That's because we were playing hot potato with it. Sorry, hold on, hold on. That's wrong. That's that's factually incorrect. Faf was playing hot potato with the ball and he was <laughs> constantly sending it back straight, straight with love. I, I gotta say, like we accept box kick out the twenty two, fine. Bomb in the middle of the field, fine. This is what's happening now. In <laughs> but but Faf brew, box kicks on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> He box kick into the red zone. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> to be fair, he, he, it, it did go out for a territory game, but we were like just outside the 22 and he's kicking into the, like he's box kicking for the corner almost. And I think we've, uh, I think all four of us got, has gotten a lot of pushback, especially from, you know, a couple of people who've listened to us and uh, yeah. some, some of the stuff that we've, <laughs> we've read online. Let's, I think we, we've all agreed, we are not against the box kick, not in the slightest. When it's executed accurately, 
with a you know 80% rate, even just 80%. Aaron Smith probably kicks more than Faf, but it's accurate and it gives your backline players an opportunity to win the ball back. That's all we want. Not this inaccurate, absolute horseshit. And and I think the thing is that Faf, you know, if you take away his inaccurate box kicks, did not have a bad game. He's very, very strong in defense. When he did run the ball, I thought well, he, he was... He was, was immense good. in defense. We yeah. must give him that, yeah. And I think that's... And that is why he was man of the match to probably all of our eye here. But I mean, you know, he, he didn't... It's not that he didn't contribute anything else. He did have a very good game. It's just that that's the one facet of the game that he can definitely improve when he's not boss kicking and it's going two meters in front of him. Mm-hmm. Damien, I disagree with you. A scrummy's first two jobs is good service for the backline, quick service... And then providing your team with possession or with the ability to win back possession. I don't care. I don't want to hear about how good he tackled. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about that he was in people's faces. Everybody has main responsibilities, and he did not do his job. And just because he's got this mane of hair running around and he's noticeable because he's the smallest guy <laughs> on the field, that's what gets people's attention. And for me, it's a case of I want my scrummy to take the ball from the base and get it as quickly as possible to the fly And when he does kick it, that it's accurate and contestable. He, he has not done that throughout this whole World Cup. His, his, even his passing this weekend has been, uh, was either at the forwards and not in front of the forwards, or behind the back line. It wasn't as bad as the previous couple of games, but I mean, if that's the, the, the bar we're setting for scrum off, that's not great. Should we move on to the forwards? <laughs> <laughs> uh, go for it, please. I thought I thought the forwards were fantastic. I Me really do yeah. think we had a really really good game. Um, you know, do- absolutely dominant as yes. uh, lineup time, scrum time. The only time we lost ball was you know when we had a man down. Probably still shouldn't have lost that scrum, but um, I really do think that is the platform where we'll probably win this World Cup. Yeah, I think just to add to that, I think um, you know for me. The, the forward pack has always been your key. I know the backs like to, you know, it's a bunch of forwards sitting here. I, I played back a bit of <laughs> but I'm a forward at heart. Um, and I think the forwards are the most important players on the field. If you don't have possession, which ultimately your, your forwards are responsible for, um, and then you get a scrum off kicking it away, but that's another story. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so... 100%. And our forwards particularly have, have the dual role of not just uh, marshalling a set piece, but also becoming the first line of that immense defence that we're going to ask our players to put out every every time we play. Yeah. And I thought that the guys are standing up, as you said, hot. See uh, immense performance. Yeah. Not an open side flanks performance, but still he made an incredible amount of tackles. Uh, so did Peter Steff as usual. Um, I thought everybody everybody did a, a fantastic defensive job. Yeah. Apparently there's a warrant out for Dwayne Vermeulen's arrest. The way he tackled that uh, fullback, <laughs> attempted uh, attempted murder, I think is the yeah, charge because so, he yeah. absolutely smoked. I mean, it just because even s- even slow mo yeah. looked bad, but watching that back in full time, yeah. yeah I thought Dwayne had one of his better games. Yeah. 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 yeah, I don't think he's been putting in the performances he can, but but uh, I thought he had a good game. I think Bongi also made a couple of massive hits, yes. and he doesn't look like the kind of guy that you want to get tackled by. No, no, he's mighty pretty mass, solid. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty solid. And I then, think, yeah. No, sorry, man. Um, I think the lock pair. I was a little bit skeptical about um, Luit and Irvin, but they they both played pretty well. I think Irvin. This I don't know what's going on with the guy, but I think Achlia is way better than him. I um, think I, I got to say, both Luit and Irvin uh, didn't do a bad job. 
but I thought that uh, would they do a better job than Mostert and Snyman. No. But I don't think so. No. Yeah. No. But I, I mean, for ex- so. for example, when we had numbers out wide, and even sucked in two players because they, it was too little. It was a winger and the centre, and he sucked both of them in, but tried to steamroll both of them. Yeah. And we had four players outside of them. And I think yeah. Acher just has that rugby brain. He would have been looking to pass. But I think this is what Rassi's looking for. He wants that on. He wants that impact of the bench of Acher Stemmer. And I think also because Mostad covers those dual roles of, you know, he can play back row and as a lock, he prefers him on the bench just you know, for more cover because we don't have enough forwards on the bench. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, forgetting about Stain, he's also flank cover. But you know, well, the other thing I, that really impressed me, and fair enough, again, it's maybe against Japan, was that, was it a 40 meter ball? Yes, yes. something close to that. I was, haven't, haven't seen that 40 meters in, a, in a while. Yeah. yeah. I will say, that's, I think that's another thing if we look at that little sort of com- compound of success against a team that's compounding their lack of success is we tried that more a couple of times yeah. and I was very impressed with Japan to see the first couple of times it didn't work um, so so yeah props to the Oaks for eventually getting it right I think it required a bit of tired bodies for it to for it to work properly so yeah and another well another, another question we can ask maybe slightly off the topic of, of the Springboks but Japan going forward do you think they're going to be able to keep this level I don't know if, if they've got the right coaches. So if Joseph uh, decides to stay, um, yeah. and I think also why not? Brew rugby's money ball at the moment, Bruce. So they've got the cash. Especially uh, the I, I, that's so. the thing. It would be nice to see that you know a tier two nation come up and actually be competitive. But that's the thing is they don't have the cash. That's why they've been excluded. I know there's talks now of re-including them. Um, but the Japanese rugby uh, union wasn't prepared to underwrite the Sunwolf. That's why they were excluded, not because of the quality of rugby. So if uh, hopefully that there will be some money pumped in. Uh, apparently, you can't buy Japanese uh, jersey in Japan at the moment because they sold out. So hopefully this has grown the game and there's a bit of investment in. I guess maybe what I mean is that they're willing to um, to pay our players more than our players are getting paid here. Mm-hmm. You can say that very easily. Sure. Um, and so. I mean, at least at least that will constitute a, a larger sort of uh, skill yeah. rise uh, that that'll happen over a couple of years. But we've seen the same thing with uh, with America. Um, yeah, I think to answer your question, in my opinion, probably. I hope so. Yeah, I, I do too. I really do. I think still this is probably the closest World Cup we've had in terms of how some of the minnows have performed compared mm-hmm. to the, the bigger tier one nations. And I think that if we can continue that trajectory of you know, the, the smaller teams becoming even more competitive, it can only grow the sport. Yeah, and that, I, I think that's been the idea of uh, World Rugby is to just grow the appeal. And I think they've done definitely done that with the first Asian team to qualify yeah. for the quarterfinals. And, and the fact that the, the Japanese World Cup has been such a success. Yes. I think that every, every time you watch a game, everyone you speak to just has nothing bad to say about it. Mm. Everything is positive yeah. and fantastic. And let's not forget... That there was a typhoon in the middle of the as well. <laughs> like, I mean, there's quite a few who died and it's still, you know... The biggest was, typhoon since like the 1980s yeah. or something. Like. And, and it's still success. People are still raving about uh, raving about it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I think we, we'll, we're going to be in for a tight game against Wales. Um, be very interesting. Um, but, you know, we have to look at who the players who are... We're going to take us uh, hopefully to the final uh, based on last week's performance. So, player of the week. Player of 
who are we looking at? Who wants to start this week? Kev, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Who wants to break hearts? Yeah. I feel like I always start. Uh, but, okay, my player of the week, um, shout out to Dave, <laughs> is Damien de Ellender, uh, who I've got to say has proved me very, very wrong uh, in his gradual World Cup performance. Uh, the guy's grown into the jersey uh, like a beautiful flower. <laughs> and um, I thought it was, it, it was an, an incredible defensive effort from the dude uh, the entire game. Like we've said a couple of times, uh, Sia... Dwayne and Peter Steff don't play a classical uh, flank uh, role, as in they don't cover the back of that line, they don't sprint uh, out, they actually take a lot of the first contact. Um, and it's okay because Damien is there every single time with a monster tackle. Uh, he's fighting for the turnover and this game he had a, a whole bunch of exceptional passes that did put a lot of people away uh, when we did decide to attack. Uh, the few few times in the second half <laughs> that we did, but, but that wasn't his fault, it was... Um, it just I thought an incredible all-round performance from the dude. I thought he was the best person on the field. Done. Done. Okay. Player of the week for me. Um, this might come as a shock, uh, but faff. No, I'm just kidding. Definitely. <laughs> 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 just kidding. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to go for Am again. I think he had a, a solid performance. Um, I'm actually, as much as this uh, goes against all my better intentions, I'm going to give give Mon Pimpy his credits. <laughs> um, I might not like the man. I, I might think that he runs into contact more than any ball hungry forward, more than even Etzebeth. Um, he does not know how to hit a gap. He does not know how to sidestep. Mark, but, do you know what section this is? <laughs> <laughs> but, what <he> did, <laughs> but what he did do is he finished. And that's what that's why we've picked him. Um, and, you know, he did exactly what was required of him. He even got taken out in the air and also survived a hit on well, his I thought he did stand. very well to compete for uh, for the many hard balls that uh, went up. So well, I mean, yeah. practice makes perfect. So I think the amount <laughs> of times he's had uh, playing with Faf now. Um, so he, he finished well. Uh, he, he went looking for work a few times. He actually tackled uh, as well. He didn't tackle the guys backwards, but he wrapped them um, and was willing to get stuck in. And um, yeah, I, I think the fact that Vili passed the ball to him for a second try and then he just finished. He just put head down and gassed it. Um, I honestly think probably his his best game so far of the of the World Cup just based on the magnitude of it as well. So, yeah. And I think I think the Japanese uh, targeted him a little bit. Uh, yep. They ran his channel way more than Chesman's, yeah, yeah. Um, which Ch- Chesman has earned. But um, he did stand up to it. Yeah, and he's now tied shop, uh, top try scorer. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. I think he's one short. With Adams, yeah. I think he's on top. Is it? Okay. I think five each. Yeah, oh, I've got that okay. yes. I think they're, yeah, they're sharing it at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah, fantastic game from him, definitely. Mm. Sure. So th- this is tough. Um, I think I'm going to go with Damien as well, um, having played inside centre. Um, I've just seen him actually grow over the past couple of months quite, quite a lot, and. We've always criticised him in terms of his passing, uh, or lack thereof, rather. Um, and I think he, the way he's shifting the ball has been has been brilliant. Um, also, I'm really, really impressed with him running into contact. He is guaranteed to at least make one or two metres, um, at least. And that, and that, for me, is great go-forward ball. Um, especially the amount of kicking that we're doing when he gets a ball it's just you know there's always forward momentum so 
is, as Mark has already touched on, his defense was brilliant. Um, and I'm liking the center combination of um and, yeah. and Damien. So, yeah, I think it's, it's really positive. And just to give him props, he spilled that ball very early on when we were in the 22, yeah. which I think we all t- uh, tore our hair out. But to his credit, he should have scored that try. It, that was definitely a try right before halftime. He was mm-hmm. never held. So, uh, in my opinion, just the heads up play that he, he, he kept on playing, kept on uh, pushing oh, forward when he wasn't held. <laughs> I don't know what game you're watching in Kev, but... <laughs> was it a small TV that you were like, <laughs> like, was it like a... <laughs> we streaming DC when, when a player hits the ground with another player holding him, that player is obligated to release the player who's on the ground. That player who's just hit the ground is obligated to release the ball. All he had to do to score that try was let go of the ball and pick it up again. I didn't see I don't know if you held. I saw him take him to ground, but I didn't see anybody maintaining contact on the ground. It's a slippery um, rule. Yeah, I, I agree with Cav there. I think, especially at that level, you need to just be a little bit more aware. Sure. So uh, it would have cost him half a second and he would have still got over. Okay. I think. Okay. Think, man. Um, okay. <laughs> Disagree, but put take. Can I go now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Bongi. <laughs> um, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to um, pick Bongi because he actually played this week. <laughs> but um, I'm going to have to go with Sia. I think Sia put in a massive shift, captain's performance again, you know, hard yards, big tackles, did everything he needed to do. Um, yep, yeah, just impressed again. Whenever, I think this is the, probably the longest stint he'd had, he's had in a competitive game mm-hmm. and he showed he was, he was well back to fitness and, mm-hmm. you know, up for it. So it was fantastic. I think led from the front. There's Definitely. a few times he put up his hand where he made a big tackle mm-hmm. uh, when there was momentum. Good on cover. Definitely agree. All right, I'm moving from the, the good to not the bad, but the extremely ugly. And guys, let's not all pick the two obvious candidates here. Plonker of the week. I'm going to give Keys a first go here. I can see him chomping at the bit. Uh, I think it's quite obvious. Vili um, <laughs> go back to under 13, Larue. Uh, <laughs> I think my word. Like he's he's given guys some poor passes in the past, and just I don't know what's going on with the guy. He is he's our Kurt, he's currently our Kirtley Beal. Uh, he runs hot and cold. He has moments of brilliance and then moments of just diabolical play. And but it's and not I think just for currently. Me it's just, yeah. No, he's no, it's always been like that. He's too erratic. He's not consistent enough. And I think the the pedestrian mistakes that he made. Which is that's a nice word. Yes. Very nice word. Pedestrian mistakes that he made um, have they cost us points, and I think something needs to be done. Like that, someone needs to sit him down and say, "What's going on? <laughs> like, do you need a hug? Uh, I, I don't know. There's something going on." Yeah, I feel sorry for the guy. You know, you can still see like in that in that mm-hmm. uh, that long shot. Uh, his timing was great. The, the guy does have class in his bones. He does. He, does. he just he does. doesn't. He's not accessing it. And, and and the thing is, when he when he when he tits up, he massive tits up. Yes. Huge I mean, double D's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, that for that long try, he did go to my pimpy afterward and go, I didn't have the legs for that. <laughs> so you know, maybe you should try and get rid of it. You know, or, or, or just but, be really tight. Do a lot yeah. of warm ups before the game, and then come on and not have the leg for it, and then he actually passes the ball again. Passing on Monday, yeah. <laughs> but also, I mean, you, 
you are setting somebody up for failure if you continue to pick them and expect them to perform when they just don't have the capacity them in the right mind space. So um, I honestly, I would suggest, um, and I know I said the exact opposite thing not two weeks ago, I would suggest moving Colby to fullback and putting Nukorsi on the wing because at the moment it just, it, it's not working and he's costing us. I think Willems is too green and we can't throw him in in a semi. I, I, I think Colby plays all of his, his, his rugby at fullback for Toulouse. He's been brilliant. That is his preferred position. And if that gets him more touches, because God knows he doesn't get the ball on the wing, I, I can only see the good come out of that. Yeah, I, we spoke about that and I agree with you. I think um, Willie's definitely got to go. I think as I'm much as that might be, be the solution, I don't see it. Yeah, it's not going it's not it's going to happen. It's just hope Vili is a bit of a turnaround. Yeah. Maybe just to conclude uh, the Vili conversation, one of my favorite tweets of all time that I saw on social media this weekend, it stated that um, Vili LaRue Vili hates position more than Adele hates her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was just, it summed it up so beautifully for me. But anyways, that's, that's enough of Vili. Um, am I the only one who hasn't gone? Plunker of the week. Well, I'll go for Beast for that tackle. I think that for me, you know, cool, get dominant at the tackle, but I mean, you could have cost your team yeah. a potential semi final spot. I mean, it was in a really, really early part of the game. We hadn't put points on, well, I think we had five points on the board at that point, but we definitely went anywhere near clearing away. And then by making a silly mistake like that, you put your team under massive pressure mm. and you've given away three points. So, you know, just once again, that decision making in those crucial areas, I think we do need to fix. I think our discipline is a lot better than it was, but it's still lacking a little bit and could improve. And that was what well, Beast for this week was the exact example of that. Yeah. You know what? You know, I'm going to just add to that. You know, what concerns me about our tackle technique um, is the, a lot of the South Africans do it, and I haven't really seen it anywhere else. Um, is we tend to flick the legs quite a bit instead of it's, a, it's just this archaic old poor tackling technique instead of driving through, driving through yeah. and driving with the legs hitting in the stomach in the midriff below the chest that kind of thing you know an islander tackle as it were you know we don't do that too often um, and that for me is just poor technique. It is something that needs to be addressed as it well does. as the grass cutters. I've yes. noticed many, many in this World Cup. Uh, many haven't been pinged that could have been pinged. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah that, can, that can make or break your, your final, you know. Yeah. That's us three points right there. Mm. So anyway, my uh, plonker of the week. Uh, it was difficult. I think there were a lot of candidates for plonker of the week. I mean, that red card in the French-Wales <laughs> game was absolutely absurd. Yeah. yeah. That was the craziest thing I've seen in a long time. I don't know, other there was an assault charge, I don't want a red card, but um, yeah. anyway, my, my plunk of the week, if we focus in on the South African game, uh, man of the match selection committee. <laughs> 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 I must concede that uh, Faf had a, an enormous defensive game, I could see that his heart was in it and I understand why he was picked, but if you're going to pick somebody for a defensive based team winning a defensive based game, pick somebody who's uh, stood up and made steals like Dallander. Um, or even a Sia Khaleesi or somebody like that um, who's made that kind of impact. At the end of the day, uh, Marco, what Marco was saying is right about Faf. His primary role is delivery and unfortunately kicking. And he didn't do them right. Why uh, does Herschel Yankees get seven minutes of a game? 
I will never understand why coaches do that to players. Uh, it's like to me, it's a spit in the face. Yeah. To, to the guy, I mean, because the game is dead and buried by then. The, the, by, he can, he can, he can make no yeah. impact. What is he supposed to do? Audition, you know? Yeah. Give the guy, give the guy a crack, especially if the the, the state of the box kicking is like that. Um, I don't think they should have had an opportunity to pick. Fluff. I think that um, Yankee should have been on at, at least sixteen minutes. Mm. Um, so there you go. Uh, that's my plunker of the week. So I'm not gonna, in terms of plonk of the week, I'm not necessarily gonna pick the player, but I'll pick a part of his game, just purely because I think we've expanded on. There was plenty of plonkerish uh, play this week. Uh, something Keegan brought up earlier uh, is Pollard's uh, goal kicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm concerned about that. Um, yes, they were from difficult angles, some of them, but you know, when it comes to tight games, there's been a few kicks that he's fluffed. Yeah. Um, and I know we, we find picking at things now, but it kind of relates back to my point earlier to say we haven't played 60 minutes, not even 80 minutes of 100% dominant rugby. And those sort of things is you, you bury the, the opposition by just that every single kick, every single kick, especially when they're easy. Yeah. Um, that, that, that is a bit concerning when we're getting to play uh, the likes of New Zealand or England, hopefully in the final. Yeah. Jumping in on that point, I think that that's the difference almost between us and New Zealand is that New Zealand also miss kicks but the game is already done by the time they're missing kicks yeah. Yeah. so um, especially in you know knockout rugby it's going to get to the point where three points you know is going to be the that difference is, yeah. and so th- if we're fluffing kicks and not taking our chances yeah. and that's the other thing about the like the, the top teams England New Zealand clinical yeah. absolutely yeah. lethal when they get the chance they take it whereas yeah. We're still lacking that edge a little bit, I think. Killer instinct, mm. yeah. And, uh, I mean, if you just look at the France-Wales game, uh, Ntamak, uh, he missed five, uh, five points. He left five points on the board. Two easy kicks. Yes, they both hit the uprights, but it doesn't matter. Uh, you still lost yeah. the game by get, one point. Get one of those. Exactly. Different result. Different, game. different story. Ultimately, it also, you look at our bench. It's, it's a 6-2 split. And... We are not gearing ourselves for, for kicking, yeah. you know, we're not gearing ourselves for that one point. I mean, look at the, the team in 07. I mean, we had Montgomery, Stay, Butch, Montgomery, all, yeah. all three of them could kick. And if, if, if Rue Dupree could kick Push as well, push to push to I mean, this is the thing. So every time Pollard went down and there was, I think, two or three times, I was just, just going, oh, that is the World <laughs> Cup. We've just thrown it away because we don't a, have fly half on the bench and be realistically cover wise we're a bit we're very thin in that area yeah and, and stain stain can kick but he's not a sharp he's not a Monet stain Monet well, stain was that sharpshooter yes. where you would guarantee, guarantee get three points Rossi Rossi said one of the <laughs> and I don't know maybe you'd be better at kicking in this role that one of the fly half backups is Fuff because he's played there at some level so if you play under 13 fly half at some point in your career count. you might be able to back up for the spring maybe he's just taking the piss no seriously the, the, the 10 it, it's, it's Elton it's Stain and then it's Fuff that's the pecking order at 10 and that is terrifying yeah, maybe Williamson now now that he's there maybe that's honestly I think we did touch on it but I think that is why Williamson has been brought yeah, to the side I agree because Rassi looked at 10 and went ooh we are very thin here but I don't think Williamson has experience no, at that level because that's actually it's probably a, a discussion maybe for after the World Cup, but we knew that he was going to be on our injury list, Philipsa, 
yet he played no part in the build-up. And I know he did have injuries Injury, and so on, yeah. but he wasn't included in the, the wider squad all that much. And I think that might have been a slight oversight by Rossi. Yeah. No, true, true. Okay, so we have so much ammunition to look at uh, reference this week. I mean, all four games had some had some shockers. Um, if we if we just start with um, the Wales uh, Island game, uh, sorry, Wales Island. What am I talking about? The Wales France game. A couple of missed calls, uh, and there's you know there's calls from the forward pass uh, leading up to the Wales try. The last try wasn't even scored. The team missed that. Um, yeah, um, uh, and then paper with his his photo opportunity <laughs> with the Wales fans um, shoving his elbow into into a guy. Um, well, who, pretending to. Shove yeah, well, well, yeah. <laughs> let's let's call it pretending. Um, yeah, and don't even get me started on Barnes. Uh, I think he had probably one of his worst games that I've ever seen him ref. Yeah, I think um, I'll I'll start with this one. Um, I think Marco and I were just sweating a little bit because he missed so much and and this once again like I understand referees can miss stuff I'm, I understand they're human just like us yeah um, however there are two other dudes chilling on the side of the field and there's a dude sitting up there with God knows what technology and they don't bloody use it um, it just it's getting so frustrating I, I, I sound like a bloody stuck record here week in and week out it's the same shit we keep seeing we keep seeing small knock-ons at the rack I mean there were four I think I counted four knock-ons at the Japanese um, they basically from the rack knocked the ball on player yeah. offsides two forward passes yeah. and and the best part my pimpy's challenge in the air no he got yeah. taken out that for me was that's a red cost, hundred percent. He didn't even try to play the ball around the the the, um, the a forearm around the neck as well in mid air. That's yep. a red card. I'm sorry, it's it's inexcusable. And the same thing with Mampipi. I think if we've been consistent, he should have gotten a yellow card for yes. the he, he played the guy in the air. Hundred percent. I mean, um, Kev and Keats made this point a couple of weeks ago. If the guy's in the air, and if you cannot seriously contest that ball, you back. Off, you don't touch him. If, the, if we're trying to seriously prevent concussions in the future, make this game safer, you enforce that rule, doesn't matter what. Yeah, 100%. And that, that's the consistency thing, it's very frustrating to watch. And I think as a player, you know, this inconsistency with the refs and a coach for that matter, it's, it must be like week in and week out, you're like, cool, we can get away with this, and then you get pinged for it, and then you try something and you get away with it. It's just this weird dichotomy it's bizarre yeah. now the player is supposed to know exactly and I think yeah I find that with pretty much all the games this weekend there were forward passes not being blown all the time this entire World Cup yeah I don't know what a forward pass is at the moment because <laughs> I'm looking at things going that's wildly forward and the carry on playing I mean we had three or four yeah we also had a few and I, I think that's another thing that almost has been a hallmark of the officiating at this World Cup is that why do we have assistant referees what is their role? Yeah. Because other than calling, they must just be called touch judges again and then only allowed to rule when the ball goes out of play because yeah. that's what they're doing at the moment. Yes. They're not adding any, in, in well, at least not that I can see any input. I mean, at um, which game was it? It was the, uh, the English game at scrum time. It was, it was chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And chaos. what was happening was that 
the ref was standing on the, the side of the scrum, he wasn't feeding the ball. And what was happening, the, the assistant referee on that side obviously couldn't see because scrummy was in the way. So the ref should have gone to the other, other side of the scrum so that the assistant referee could actually do his job and yeah, watch the, yeah. the side that wasn't being obstructed. But where's the decision making yet? Like your professional referee, surely you have a class on this at some point in your career. Yeah, 100%. And it, it would be a little bit more acceptable if you said, okay, well, you know what, the guy on the field has to make the call and we have to accept that he's being objective. That's what happens, like in a football match scenario. How but, how it used to be. And yet, yeah. we sit here for half an hour watching replays of something minuscule that the ref has decided to TMO. So, like, why don't you take a big moment? Well, his neck nearly broke. Why don't you TMO that? Yeah. We TMO tiny little things yeah. that we get calls for. TMO something. Well, I mean, that's the that other thing. The, the beast tackle was not TMO'd. It was not. Yeah, it wasn't. No, that. That's crazy. So, thank God. Because so, yeah, 100% would have been a red. Yeah. I heard Wayne Barnes say to Sia, I didn't see what happened. Now, that is that, not, mind, yeah. is that not a clear case of you saying, I didn't see what happened. Maybe I should bloody go and check because the dude landed on his back and it, the guy was knowing at all. Yeah. So, obviously, he's got a word in his ear saying, bad tackle yellow card or whatever and he's going okay well cool i didn't see it so my assistant referee must be saying that but like you say where's the consistency then because yes. yeah. The, yeah and, and the, like i said thank goodness it didn't go to team yeah. because it probably would have been a different outcome but and i mean if you just look at the two other games quickly gosh with the island uh new zealand game all blacks off sides like there was i mean it was they were on holiday but i mean i mean come on and then nigel owens which i rate this as the best ref in the world Again, he's been inconsistent from from one week to the other week. I know I mentioned this in one of the previous podcasts where he said, in, uh, I can't remember which game it was, but uh, his a player was charged down after he kicked. And uh, it was he was penalized because he touched the, the kicker going through the motion. And he said, you, if you're taking the risk of trying to charge down the kick, if, you don't, if you're not successful, you have to ensure the player's safety. And I completely got that. This happened the exact same thing in the Australia-England game. And he blew it uh, the exact opposite way. It's been happening all over the place. It's ridiculous. They nearly killed Sexton a couple of times. Yeah. As well. And they did that on purpose. Of course they did. Mm-hmm. Targeting him, yeah. So, yeah, because they know that he's made a glass. You know, he's an old, old oak. So, it's, it's, it's very frustrating. But I don't know if it's hardwired into these refs. But it seems like the bigger the occasion, the more obstinate they get. And I think they're probably so used to taking negative crit, you know, you have to deal with stadiums of people booing you for the decisions you make. But yes, at the end yes. of the day, these guys need to calm down and go, listen, if I didn't see it, TMO. Yes. Let me use the facilities that are available to me. And just at the end of the day, try to ref things properly. Because yeah. I think the, the one thing about this World Cup for me as well, which is going to benefit New Zealand so much, is that breakdowns are a mess. Those can do one thing in one, a different thing in the next. There's no consistency for holding on. There's no consistency for um, from the side. Even side entry this weekend is the first time I've seen people blown, I think, in this World Cup for side entry and and clearing from the side. I mean, the one Japanese player, literally, he got blown. He didn't get blown for it, but he made the clear out from (laughs) our side of the ruck. Yes. Barnes even said, you didn't even come from your own side, you came from their side. And nearly got away with it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it like you say, it's all over the place. So I'm worried that this World Cup is decided by a big refereeing decision. That is my biggest worry for this World Cup. I'm also worried about teams' ability to adapt to referees, shit calls or not. I think South Africa lacks that that yeah. potential. I think we 
every team pushes the boundaries. I'm not going to say the Springboks don't do it, but we, we do push the boundaries. We do a lot of illegal stuff, no doubt. We push, we push, we push. But something that I'm seeing from the box is they are trying to be as disciplined as possible. Yeah. Everything, there's intent in everything they are doing. And that for me, I think that could be our undoing is unlike the All Blacks, pushing the boundaries with everything. Complete disregard. Yeah. I think that is gonna be our undoing, not having not having the ability to adapt. Yeah. So Okay. Are you guys excited for a French ref for the semi final? <laughs> Getting into the next phase, thank you, Daniel. Let's just all take a collective breath, uh, a breath in and breath out, because uh, we've got the, the reference out of the way. So we've got <laughs> two semis coming up, uh, obviously England, New Zealand, and then South Africa, Wales. Uh, let's get the, the first one out of the way. Um, Saturday, I think 10 o'clock. What are we thinking? Are we going uh, Kiwis or Pommies? Honestly, this is my final. I'm massive, obviously a massive Springbok supporter. These are the best two teams in the world at the moment. At the moment, 100% agree. Um, so this, for me, should probably... If you look at, you know, if you take the heart out of it, for me, obviously being a Springbok supporter, um, this should be the final. Very, very hard to call. I, I don't even know who I want to win. <laughs> um, I think probably the, the All Blacks coming through. Okay. Three points. Three, oof, close. Yeah, close, close. close. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, so just to add to what you're saying, I think I'm also. It is the final. I think they are the two best teams in the tournament at the moment. Um, I think looking at how the English are playing, I think they are playing really well, but they will just get pipped by the All Blacks, and also as a box supporter. Better the devil you know yeah. than the devil you don't. So, I mean, that for me is we've beaten them and we've almost beaten them. And, I mean, that for me, I'd so rather play the All Blacks and the English because we haven't played the English in a while. That being not said, this side. we love playing the English in World Cup time. Yeah, true. But not under Eddie, jo Eddie Jones. That's true, true. different, different okay. kettle of fish. So, All Blacks by how many keys? Um, I'm going to say they're just going to put them. Hey? I think it, it'll be within five. Yeah. Yeah, I think if the if the English can come out and use the same sort of attacking style that they did over last weekend, um, don't uh, fret in the beginning uh, and capitalize on the opportunities. Get a whole a bit of a score up on in the first half. I think then they'll be in for a good shots because New Zealand inevitably will come back, and I think it'll be a case of them weathering the storm if they can post a scoreline. So I also think it's going to be an incredibly tight game. Um, I'm incapable of betting against my heart, so I'm going to say England by two. <laughs> and it's probably going to go to extra time. Oh, wow. <laughs> penalty, penalty kicks, eh? <laughs> um, okay, alright. Uh, I, I think the All Blacks are going to take it. Uh, somebody has to give credit to. Richie Mwanga has played very well the last couple of weeks. I'm not his biggest fan. His, cro his cross kicks were on point, uh, really just attacking-wise. He set the back line off uh, beautifully. So I just don't think um, the English have um, the full go for, for 80 minutes. I think the All Blacks are going to do what they do. They're going to keep the game close or they're going to think that they're going to make you think that you are in the game for 70 minutes and I think they're going to pull away. Um, so I've got the, the All Blacks by eight. Sure. Hmm. Yeah, more than one score. Okay. That's me. 
SA Wales, I think that's a different story. Um, on paper, we should not lose this game. We, the, the, the players that we have, uh, the way that's the flashes of brilliance that we've shown, we should not lose this game. I'm still concerned. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know if you guys saw uh, Navidi is out for the yes, rest of the World Cup. I saw that. Big, big um, Jonathan, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jonathan Davies may be coming back, the influential outside centre, maybe. Um, the scrum off Davies also may be only coming back, so they've got a few injuries that they have to contend with. Um, but I, <coughs> if, if we if we <laughs> if we keep the ball long enough to score a couple of tries, I think <laughs> personally uh, we could um, we have the potential to not run away with this game. But I honestly think uh, we can win this by thirteen. I really mm. believe that. Uh, we, we've got the players, we've got the, the structures, and if everybody has a decent game, and if we don't have people dropping balls, uh, like these seems to be happening every game, well, I think we've got this. Um, okay, okay. I think you don't give Wales enough credit. I think they were number one in the world recently for a reason. Sure. Granted, there were about four teams that were number one in the world, but <laughs> I think they were probably the most deserved, other than New Zealand. I agree. I, agree. Um, I really do think that they are very dangerous and they haven't fired in this World Cup. Um, and I'm just worried that, you know, the semis is the time that they do it. Um, I do think we probably do have enough to overcome that, even if they do fire, but we have to be at the absolute pinnacle of our game. So okay. it'll all depend on which Wales team shows up and how we deal with it. So I'm going to go Springboks by three because I have to. <laughs> because my heart, like, Cav, I, I can't. You know, I will never bet against the Springboks, but I think it's going to be a yeah, massive nail-biter and not comfortable for any Springbok supporters. Okay. I'm with you on that one. I think it's going to be pretty close. Um, I think we, we keep focusing on the forwards, but I think it's going to come down to the wings. Um, the wing battle is going to be huge because we have to look at how we are playing. We're kicking the ball onto the wings predominantly, and I think... Wales have two very big wings uh, in the form of um, what's his name? North, North and, and Adams. Adams yeah. And they are, they are units as wingers and we need to be careful. Um, Mopimpi is his defence is not, not great at the best of times. I credit he did play well on the weekend but it's going to be a ground. It's going to be it's going to be forwards and then box kicking onto the wings and just defend. And it's going to be a tough ground, and it's going to be close. So I'm going to say we're going to pip them. Pollard is actually going to get a kick, and he's going to get it by three. Okay, so both going by three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think actually Keys, I was about to say the exact same thing. I think the more they take it to a forward battle, uh, the better for us. Uh, but I don't think that they will necessarily uh, but one of the interesting things I did notice about the game was I thought George North had one of his worst performances that he's had so yeah. far um, and I'm hoping that that sits with him a little bit I mean obviously I don't hope it for his sake but for our sake I do yes um, and if we can if we can get the guys matching up against him and, and winning those battles 100% I believe that's how we can win that game um, especially if the ball is going to sit in the air after bloody game so George North is quite weak in the, on the high ball he, he despite his height so yeah, I don't, think, I don't yeah. think he stood up to it yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah I think that, that might be a, a, an attacking method for us to go um, so hopefully that works out for us uh, I'm going to hope that um, 
we get that waxed by the second half. I think it'll be tight game for a very long time, and I'm hoping that we can pull a bit of a bit of a runaway at the end. So I'm gonna just just for the sake of potentially winning this game, I'm gonna say box by ten. Um, just on that note, you might want to put bets on knock-ons for that game because if it's Mapimbi versus North in the air, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be ten um, plus knock-ons. No, that's a, gonna work in our favour because we just love scrumming as well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think business. Um, yeah, I keep on saying business end, but this is the real, real deal now. Uh, we've got two more games, regardless if we win the next one or not. Obviously, with the bronze playoff, but uh, I honestly think we've we, we've got the team and. It, one thing that we, I think, sometimes also lose track of, including myself, is that we haven't played a good game of rugby yet and we've, for the most part, dominated most of our games. Uh, so when everything does click, I honestly think we can take the All Blacks on the day as well. So uh, hopefully it's going to be us and uh, New Zealand uh, in the final, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Any last, last comments? Anything that we should be out on the lookout for? Any bets we should be placing? You need to put Corbus Reinhardt in. Put, it, put me in, coach. Put me in. <laughs> I can't wait for this weekend. I yeah, think, excited. Yeah. I think it's going to be the most fierce that we've had in the. I mean, the whole country is getting behind boys. Yeah. And I think that you know, it's a good thing we're not recording during the game because it's going to be pretty festive on our side. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Walker. Walker. Yeah. Let's let's back the boys. Um, yeah, as always, uh, closing off uh, all the social media things, guys. Uh, we are on Twitter at Playing Advantage, Playing ADV. Uh, also, give us a listen on Castbox and also on YouTube. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully, we will be sitting here on, on Sunday evening with uh, a lot to celebrate and a lot to look forward to. Uh, and at the end of the day, we just want two good rugby games. Uh, that's, I think, all and we could wish for. Yes, obviously, a win for the Springboks, that'd be the cherry on top. But, yeah. uh, just two, two good games. No contentious calls, that's what we want. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> if anybody else can think of anything that we need to add to the wish list, give a shout. Uh, but anyways, guys, thanks for joining me. And until next week, fare you well. Yeah, thanks, thanks, guys. guys.